The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, If you need a Bible, I want you to raise your hand on up real high. We've got some of those coming around. Uh, We're going to continue through our Advent series uh, this week. Uh, We've been going through uh, the book of John, uh, or actually uh, chapter 1 of John. But uh, today, before we get to John, I want to start in Luke chapter 4. And so if you have those Bibles, go ahead and open them up uh, to Luke 4. If you have one of our Bibles, the the page number is up here for you. We need, to, we need to see this, we need to get a glimpse of this before we get into uh, the sermon on joy today, and I pray that, that God will help us learn and know and that his word will fall upon our hearts so that we can see him mightily. Uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, let's go ahead and pick it up in 16. You there? All right. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And it was his custom, and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now listen to this. And all spoke well of him. And marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Now let me, let me stop right there. Now let me, tell you, let me tell you what's happening. Okay, Jesus, as it was his custom, he would go in. All right, uh, a attendant would come and hand him the scroll. He took the scroll. He stood up and he, wrote, he read the scroll out of Isaiah. He rolled the scroll back up, handed it to the attendant and sat down and he began to teach. Uh, in these days, when you sit down, that is a sign that someone's gonna teach you something. And so uh, we see this, Jesus sitting down, he begins to teach and it says that today the scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing. Which means, he says, today, this is about me. This is being fulfilled. This points to me. All right, and then it says that all were filled with marveling wonders. It says, it says that, that uh, he, they were all coming and they all spoke well of him. They all gazed upon him. They all looked upon him and they were marveling. So much so that they couldn't believe this, what Jesus was saying. Hey, this is... This is amazing. Jesus teaching us in this way. What he's saying is amazing. They're all marveling. They're all speaking highly and well of him. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that the same Jesus that would ride his bike up and down the, the dusty trails as a kid? 
That's why this is so amazing. Isn't that the same Jesus that would sing in the third grade choir with our daughter? Wasn't that the Jesus that played shortstop on the Little League team? This is amazing. Listen to him teach. He teaches with such authority and such power. This is, this is marvelous. This is unheard of. And so he, he begins to teach and says, Today the scripture has been fulfilled. And you're hearing, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. He said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, look at how he replies. And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own town. This is what they're saying. They're saying, this guy is amazing. We all speak well of him. We're marveling at him. Now, Jesus, what we want you to do is we want you to do a miracle. So he says, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me to do a miracle, all right, so that we would believe. Do something amazing. Do do some type of sign. Do some sort of miracle for us so that we would believe. Look at how he responds. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Okay, he stops right there and he says, listen, You want me to do a miracle, but I tell you this. I tell you this in truth. Do you remember when there was a famine for three years and six months? And Elijah wasn't sent to everyone, but rather to one of them. And so there's many people who are hungry, but God only fed one of them. He goes on. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed but only Naaman, the Syrian. So he says, he says, there was many that were hungry, but God only fed one. There were many who were sick, but God only healed one of them. Look at verse 28. This is how they respond. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with what? Wrath. Okay, so, so in, in just a few verses here, all right, they're all marveling at what he's saying. They're all speaking well of him. They're all looking at him and saying, man, this guy is awesome. And then all of a sudden, just a few verses later, they're filled with wrath. They rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. I don't know how that happened, but I could just picture it. Maybe he's breaking tackles like a running back, or maybe he's just like, stop, and he walks right through. I, I don't know how that works, but, but I, I, I know this. In one minute, people are speaking well and marveling at him, and in the next minute, they want to throw him off a cliff. I realize that it's possible to speak well of Jesus and to even marvel at him and not receive him. 
Let me say that again. I believe that it's possible to speak well of Jesus, to marvel at Jesus, but not receive him. And so that brings us to John chapter 1. Go ahead and flip over with me. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so right here we see Jesus, he created everything. Everything is from him, everything is through him, everything is for him, and he created everything. He was in the beginning with God, and in the beginning he was God. So he is not a part of creation. He is the, create, he's the, one, he's the creator. He's the one who creates everything. And in him was life. And his life was the light of men. And light shines in the darkness. And so he creates everything so that we would know him and see him and have light and life. Verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. I need you to hear that. He came... And light, as the light and the life shines in the darkness, he came so that we would believe through him, through John, through the message, through the gospel, through the good news. John was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And so he makes everything. He creates everything. In verse 3 and verse 10, it says everything was created by him. And so everything is his. You and me. Every coworker. Every neighbor. Every person. Every son, every daughter, every father, every mother, every grandfather, every grandmother, everything is his. And so when it says he came to his own, he came to his own creation. He came to his own people. And so this, this season, this Advent, it means coming, it means arrival. In Jesus' coming, in the arrival of Jesus, he came to what belonged to him, which is everything, which is you and me. Which are his own people. Okay, but there's, there's a problem, isn't there? The text says that there's a problem. Even though he came to his own, there's a, there's a problem. Look at what it says. It says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. His own people, his own creation, his own possession. They didn't didn't receive him. I need you to hear that. You see, they they didn't receive him in, in schools. They didn't receive him in governments. 
They didn't receive him in department stores or malls. They didn't receive him in homes. They didn't, they didn't receive him. They didn't receive him on, on broadcast stations, on the radio or on the news. They, he came to his own, but his own, they didn't receive him. Maybe speak well of him. Maybe even marvel at him, yes? But he says his own didn't receive him. His own people, his own creation. And so look in verse 9 again. Because I believe only joy comes through him, comes through drinking him in, comes through knowing him. It says the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming in the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but... Okay, so there's good news. Right? Like, like, like there's hope for us. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. One thing we need to understand here, the one thing we have to see, is that in Jesus creating everything, in Jesus bringing light into the world, in Jesus bringing life in the darkness, that is, that is all pointing to the joy, which is, which is Jesus himself. Okay, and so, and so everything that he creates, everything that he does, everything he knows, the light of men is only good news if it's leading us to Jesus himself. It's only good news if we're receiving Jesus and believing in Jesus and partaking and knowing Jesus. Listen, all of the light, all of the light in the darkness, all of the light that Jesus brings is only good news if it's leading us into knowing God. We can't stop short. It's leading us to knowing God. None of the good news would be good news if it wasn't leading us to believing and receiving God, which leads to knowing God. Let me ask you a question. When you think of the fullness of joy, we're talking about joy, and so, and so let me ask you a question. When you're, when you're thinking of the fullness of joy, the be, your, 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 your best day, like the happiest day, the day that you would like to relive over and over, like when you think of like the best day, what do you think of? When everything's right, Everything's good, full of joy. What do you think of? A lot of people would say that joy comes uh, in the absence of pain. So joy happens when, when things that causes pain or things that cause hurt uh, is removed. And so, and so joy comes in the absence of things. And so, so if, if, if you were to define your greatest joy or what's, what that day looks like for you, you would say, well, I would get up and I wouldn't have to go to work. That's for sure. And so joy would be some af- absence of, of work. And so uh, there's, no, there's no work and there's no pain. Uh, in, my, in, my jo- in, in my day of joy, there would be no sickness. 
There'd be no hurts. There would be no, no pain. There'd be no hunger. There'd be no tears, only laughter. There'd be no guilt. There'd be no shame. That would be a, a joyful day if we had the absence of those things that cause pain. Others would say, well, joy also comes through uh, partaking in things or the presence of things. And so not only would we have absence of those things, but we would have the presence of things that we enjoy or things that we like, like, like food. No amens there? Okay. A good steak, yeah, right? We, so uh, a joy would be uh, food and, and relationships and, and friends and family. And so things that we like, we would say that would be the presence of those things, things that we love, and then the absence of things that cause pain. And I would say yes and amen. I would say absolutely true. But all of those things are only good things if they're leading you to Jesus. Because all of those things really are are transient or or temporary things. And so the fullness of joy, listen, knowing the joy that comes from knowing Jesus is the fullness of all joys. And so if you had everything on your list all of the pains removed, and all of the things that you love, you're partaking in. But if Jesus wasn't there, would that still be a joyful day for you? If you had all the things that Jesus created, but not Jesus himself, would that be joy? God wired it. God designed it in such a way that our fullness of joy would only be found in him. And so all of those other things are leading us to know Jesus. Listen, if they're not, if those things, those, those absence of things, healing, prosperity, the absence of, of those things are not leading you to the Jesus, then listen to me. Jesus becomes the Santa in the sky. And so we just go to Jesus like we go to Santa's lap and sit on his lap and tell him what we want. And so Jesus is there to fulfill these things that I want. Jesus, take away this pain. Jesus, take away this sickness. Jesus, take away this because that's going to bring me joy. Jesus, give me more money. Jesus, give me a better relationships. Jesus, and so Jesus then becomes Santa in the sky, this divine butler that's there only to give me what I want. You tracking with that? And, and so, and so if, if we're not careful, if we don't understand then in reality, the fullness of joy is only found when our hearts desire God himself. We won't have everlasting joy. We'll have a temporary joy, which we call that happiness. And so everything was made through him and for him. And Jesus is our joy. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I think so many think that children of God means that dad just gives us presents. Gives us gifts. Gives me allowance. 
right? Is that not how we think of God? He gives me the allowance, and he gives me the gifts, and he gives me the stuff. But I think we're confused because we love the things that Jesus gives, but we don't really love or treasure him. We love that everything that he has is offer. We even speak well of him, and we even marvel at him. But receiving him and believing him is, is, is about partaking in him, not necessarily his stuff. And so, and so here's the deal. Hell is hot. Nobody wants to go there. Guilt is heavy. Nobody likes it. And so we receive Jesus. Jesus, if you can get me out of hell, I'll receive you as Savior. Jesus, if you can, if you can rid me of my guilt and my shame, then, then I'll receive you as forgiver. And people say, if Christianity can help me with my marriage, if Christianity can help me with my kids, if Christianity can help me fulfilling my dreams of success, then I'll receive him as counselor, teacher, maybe even sometimes leader. Some people say joy is found in forgiveness, knowing that we're forgiven. But forgiveness is there in order to bring us to God. Forgiveness is given so that we would know God. We can't stop at just forgiveness. Forgiveness, freedom from guilt, ticket out of heaven. Okay, look at me. All of those things. You don't have to be born again to want that stuff. Forgiveness, ticket out of hell. You don't have to be born again to want that stuff. But hear me. You have to be born again to want Jesus. You have to be born again to want God. It says that in our hearts, we don't long for God. We actually run the other way. And so in order for us to want God, we have to be born again. And there's so many people who want Jesus' stuff, want Jesus' ticket, want Jesus' forgiveness, but we don't want God. Which is the absence of joy. And so this verse is very clear. Although Jesus is the true light, and Jesus' light shines on everyone, the light shone in the world, everything and everyone, but the verse is clear that not everyone are God's children. Not everyone is a child of God. And as soon as I say that, some of you don't like that. You're like, hey, throw him off a cliff. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it says that people didn't receive him, but some will receive him, but not everyone. And so not everyone is a child of God. If Jesus was here, and he stood up here and looked out on the crowd, went on record, the radio, the broadcast, went into the schools, into the, into the malls, into the stores, and said, I created everything and everyone. Everything is by me and for me and through me, and, and I'm the head of everything. People would look at him and say, wow, that guy's amazing. They would marvel at him, even speak well at him. 
But then he would go on and say, well, not all of you are children of God. Not, not all of you will feast at my table. Not all of you will partake in me. And so many would respond, I don't like that. Grab him. Let's throw him off a cliff. When I read this text, it reminds me that not everyone is a child of God. Some will marvel. Some will speak well. But it doesn't make you a child of God. And so the question for us today is, are you a child of God? The question you need to ask yourself in your hearts today is, are you a child of God? Well, the Bible's going to tell us there's two conditions. All right, let's look at them. He came to his own, this is verse 11, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So point number one is, is to all who did receive him. There must be a receiving of him. He came to his own, his people did not receive him, but to those who did receive him. And so what does it mean to receive Jesus into your life? It means this. It's, it means to receive all of Jesus for who he is and what he is. It means receiving him as Savior, as Lord, as King, as God. We receive him into our lives in such a way that he leads us and he guides us and we want him and we desire him and we meet with him and we talk. It's receiving all of Jesus. So many people, we, we, say, we say that, okay, I received Jesus, but, uh, but, it, but listen, it doesn't mean that we have this kind of uh, peaceful coexistence with him, Right? Like, like, Jesus, you can be king up to a certain point. That's how we live, most of us. You can be king up to a certain point, because I don't know if you've noticed, but I live in America, and America is a democracy, and I get to vote, all right? And so you could be king, and you could sit on your throne, but in the end, I get the final say, I get the final vote, and I get the final uh, how you should re- run, this, run this world, run this life. And so we say, okay, Jesus, you can come in, but you can only rule, you can only lead, you can only be king up to a certain point. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me about my sin, because that hurts my ego. Tell me I'm good. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm trying to build my kingdom here. I'm kind of a big deal. Maybe you haven't heard. I know you're sometimes far away, and so, you know, Trying to, trying to do my thing, so tell me I'm good. Don't tell me that I'm bad or, or that I need to change because I'm on my own path here. Um, there's a book called Reason for God. It was uh, written by uh, Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, Manhattan. He wrote many books, but this is one of them. He uses an illustration in this book that I really love. He says that God created the fish. Yes, okay, he did create the fish. Uh, But he created the fish in such a way that he says, the fish, the thing that's going to bring the fish the greatest joy, the greatest pleasure, the the best thing for the fish is for the fish to live in water. All right? And so he takes the fish and he puts them in water. And he says to the fish, listen, if you get out of this water with your fins and your scales and your your little gills, all right, it's going to go bad for you. All right? And so he takes the fish and he puts it in the water and says, the thing that's going to bring you the most joy is for you to live in the water. Don't get out of the water. 
I think when we receive just parts of Jesus, when we don't fully receive him, it, it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like I'll receive you, but I don't want to get wet. I'll do this thing. I'll say what I need to say with my mouth. I'll attend the church that you want. I'll do those things. I'll do those religious things. But listen, I don't want to get wet, and I'm not, I'm not planning on getting wet. And so we receive him up to a, a certain point. We try to live outside of him. And here's the crazy thing. It is, is when Jesus, when God the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on the hearts of, of our lives, when he knocks on the door, when Jesus comes in and he knocks on the door of our heart, knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. Jesus who? Jesus Christ, open the door. That's a joke. Thanks for laughing. Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts, and we're like, oh, Jesus, hi, how are you? Come on in. You want to stay here in my home for a while? Okay. Well, let me show you to your room. It's kind of downstairs around the corner. All right, it's in the basement. It's where Rico lives. (laughs) You you got that one. (laughs) Come on in. Come on in. Let me show you your room. And we show Jesus to his room and and show him in and say, hey, uh, okay, here's your room, and I I want you to stay here uh, until I call you. I don't want you to. I don't want you to interfere with my home life. I don't want you to interfere with my life. I want you to just kind of stay in this room. And listen, if I need you, I'll call you. Is that, is that, you know what? Better, better, better yet. Uh, I know you know what I need before I even ask. So I'm not even going to call you. I'm just going to expect you to deliver. How's that? All right, so you just stay here, and, and listen, listen, don't interrupt my life. I'm trying to do my thing. You live here in the basement and, and do your thing, and, and so that on the last day, I can claim you as my ticket, and, and yeah, he stayed in my house. And so we, we put him in this house. We put him in this corner, and we let him stay here. But we tell Jesus, hey, hey don't, don't play your music too loud. Don't, don't let me hear that stuff up here because, because I'm marching to my own tune. I'm walking to my own drum. I, I'm listening to my own, I'm, I'm doing my own thing, all right? And so if you turn that up too much, I'm going to have to come down and, and, you know, throw down. <laughs> or you're going to you're gonna have to go. And so we tell Jesus, you can, you can stay as long as you want, but, but don't interrupt. I believe receiving Jesus means taking all of him into your life into your families, into your worlds, into your schools, into your homes, into your works, into your neighborhoods. I I believe receiving Jesus is receiving him in every single part of your life. And so today the light has come, the true light that gives light to everyone has come. And those who did receive him, so we need to receive him, but also it says that we need to believe. Look at what it says. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so, and so here we go. There's a receiving, and there's 
those who would believe in his name. Now, believing in the name of Jesus, according to the scriptures, is the same as believing in Jesus, okay? And so when he says, believe in the name of Jesus, the same thing as saying Jesus is who he says he is. He has the right, he has the rule, he has the authority. And so in, in John three eighteen, he says, he who believes in him is not condemned. And he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so believing in Jesus and believing in the name of Jesus are the same. But let me talk to you about believing real quick. Because believing is not just simply this cognitive uh, mind knowledge that we believe things about Jesus, uh, but we're not actually partaking in receiving him. And so believing cannot just simply be a knowledge about Jesus. Are Are you following me? This idea of believing cannot just be, I, I would uh, affirm doctrine. You know what that means? That means just, just verbally saying, I believe that. I believe that's true. This is a constant believing. Listen, uh, uh, according to the scriptures, this idea of believing has a giant element of faith. And faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of seen, things that are not seen, And so believing is a deep work of faith. It's almost almost a continual believing. Are are you following me with this? It's almost a a continual walking. It's a a progressive believing. It's a a continual over and over and over again believing Jesus through his word. By faith we're believing and we're receiving It's an ongoing, continuous breaking free, hear me, from the slavery of self. Believing, it's a breaking free from from marching to our own tomb. It's a continual breaking free of a self-dependent tune. It's a continual breaking free of one's own self-reliant melody that plays in our heads over and over again. I'm strong enough. I'm good enough. And people like me. Believing, it's, it's understanding Jesus is joy. and He's what you need. And he's what you want over everything else. It's a constant Continuing believing. Now, when we receive Jesus and we're continuing believing Jesus, we're given something, okay? I need you to see this. When we receive and we believe, we're given something. Look at what we're given in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Who makes us children of God? Jesus does. That's right. The true light. All right. The true light that came into the world when we receive and we believe. He makes us children of God. Now, now watch this. Verse 13. Who were born. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, here here we go. 
Here we go. We're not born of blood, which means we cannot inherit this new birth. Okay? We're not born of blood, and we're not born of flesh, which means we do not desire or want this new birth in any way. And we're not born of the will of man, which means we can't earn it. Okay, we can't, we can't somehow buckle down, pull up our bootstraps, you know, and, and somehow earn this new birth. But rather, this new birth, it comes from who? God. Okay, so the true light makes us children of God. And namely, God the Father makes us born of God. And so we're born by God the Father And we become children of God by Jesus. And so let me ask you a question. If we're born of God, are we not God's children? I want you to think about that. If God the Father, there's nothing we can do to earn it. We're not born of the flesh or of man or desire or that. But God makes us born again. Are we not then children of God? If we're, if we're born of God the Father, then, then why do we need authority or a right from Jesus to become children of God? Let me put it to you this way. If we're born of God, why then do we need to even believe or receive? If there's nothing we can do to earn this deal, if God makes us born of God, then why would we need to believe or receive? Ephesians 2, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your sins in which you once walked, following the prince, the power, the air, the the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we, we all once lived, carrying out the passions and the desires of the mind and the flesh, and were by nature children, objects of God's wrath. Romans 3 would say that no one is righteous, not even one. There's not one who even seeks God. It says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so here we are, Lifeless and dead, sinful, corrupt, and guilty. Okay, dead and guilty. You follow me? We are both by our birth dead and guilty. And so we cannot inherit life as children of God if we are both dead and guilty. And so we need two things. We need a new birth. We need... Our guilt, our sin, removed. We are born of God as a free act of sovereign grace towards us. Nothing we do to earn it. There's a, there's a sovereign grace when the Holy Spirit comes. And, and we, we say this all the time. But, but God open, opens up our hearts so that we could see him. And so there's this veil that sits over our faces so that we don't 
believe or receive, but God through his, his power, through his Holy Spirit opens up our heart so that we would see him. And, and, and in that moment, he makes us born again. He makes us born of God. Now let me ask you, when you're, when you're born of God, what does that make you? A, a, a newborn sinner, right? Like a, like a newborn baby, you still poop and pee and spit up all over the place. I mean, as a newborn, we make messes. Amen? Okay, I, I was hoping we're not perfect in here. Uh, and, so, and so we're born of God, yes, but we're newborn sinners. We still make a mess. And so the new spiritual life is real, but so is sin. A whole history of sin. A whole life of sin. And, and, so, and so in our sinfulness, we would have no right to take our place at the seat with God. In our sinfulness, we'd have no right, no authority, no empowerment Except for one thing. Except for one thing. God not only provided the new birth, but God provided the Savior in which we could be blameless and holy as sinful men and women. And so we get to know the true light. Guys, we get to experience God. We get to experience Jesus. We get to experience God. It's what forgiveness leads us to. It's what, it's what eternal life leads us to. It's not, it's not just simply a ticket out of hell. It's actually we get to know God. Because we've been born of God and because we've received Jesus' righteousness as children of God, we get to partake in the inheritance that is ours as wicked, sinful people. That's why we need to believe and receive. And so, that's exactly why Jesus came. Guys, it's exactly why he came in the darkness. It's exactly why we need to believe and receive. And so that we can sit at his table forever. So that we can know him forever, starting today. And so the question remains, am I a child of God? Not do I just speak well of him or marvel at him. But have I had my heart open to believe, to see God, and that I would believe and receive in Jesus Christ as my Savior so that I can, I can have forgiveness and a new life, so that I can know him When, when joy comes, only when we're knowing God, when we see Jesus, it's no longer we, we go to church. It's no longer we just do these ritual things. It's no longer some sort of um, have-to religion. There's a joy that comes from knowing God. Amen? Okay, now look at how we see him. Let me, verse 14. And the word 
became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I pray today that we would see him, that we would see his glory, that we would believe and that we would receive. And in that believing, in that receiving, we would become children of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to convict us now. It says that you you came and that we have seen a great light. And it is your love that leads us into repentance, that leads us into um, believing and receiving you. Lord, I pray today that, that if we don't know the everlasting joy, the fullness of joy that comes from knowing you, that we, would, that we would today just draw near to you. That, that we would step toward forgiveness. That we would step toward eternal life. That we would step toward having our guilt and our shame removed because we are guilty and we are dead that we would step toward being born again, that we would step toward being children of you. But I pray that today in this house, we would be filled with with people and an angst and an awe to know more of you, to enjoy you, to receive you, because that's, that's the greatest way to live is to walk with you and to know you. And so, Jesus, today, God, I pray, Lord, I pray in your name that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you and hasn't experienced you, that hasn't experienced an everlasting joy that comes from you, that today we would would just confess that we need you. Jesus, we need you. We need you in every facet of our lives. We need you in every every breath we take. We need you to remove this this self this song of self out of my mind, out of my heart, so that I would not grow my king, but I would ask you to to overtake my life. Jesus, all we can do is plead. So Jesus, right now I pray that you would do just that in our hearts. Overtake us, oh God. 
that we would know how great you truly are and the joy, the, the unspeakable, the overwhelming joy, the everlasting joy that comes from being a child of God. Jesus, I pray that right now.